We all love a good baking show, right? We love seeing the beautiful cakes turn out just right and the scones that make us want to eat one off the screen. But we get in the kitchen and what happens? We get intimidated by candy thermometers and scales and we get quickly turned off to baking after burnt pie crusts and salty cookies. We've all been there. That is why I brought on my friend, my new friend at Gather, Joy the Baker. She's going to be talking to us about making baking attainable and approachable this holiday season specifically. Now, if you don't know who Joy the Baker is, first of all, please go follow her on Instagram. But I also want to introduce you to her through her bio. Joy is a self-taught baker turned professional baker turned food photographer and three-time cookbook author. She grew up in the kitchen between her father and her mother, who were self-taught bakers and cake decorators and made a mean sweet potato pie. Between her kitchen-loving parents and the clanking cake pans and flying flour, it became clear that baking was in her blood. She moved from California to New Orleans in 2014 and became really inspired by the people, culture, and the beignets. I think that's how you say it. Sorry, New Orleans friends. (laughs) That's where she does a majority of her living, working, eating, cocktailing, and related horsing around. If you find yourself in New Orleans, you could check out her events and classes. There's a whole host of them at her studio space, The Bakehouse. You could find her at Joy the Baker on any social platform. And I am so thrilled for you to get to know her more through this really incredible, really, really fun holiday-inspired conversation. Welcome to Making Room, a podcast by Gather Intentional Living and Everyday Hospitality. Listen, we understand that the way that our culture often portrays hospitality is unattainable, and sometimes even just the thought of opening your door is crippling. Join us in the pursuit to bringing beauty, meaning, and celebration back to the everyday gathering. Go ahead, take your seat. We saved one just for you. Joy. Welcome, welcome. Glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. Well, let's dive in, especially with the holidays coming. I feel like there's a lot of wisdom that we can get from you that I want to share with the audience. And in case anyone doesn't know you yet, I want to start off with some intro as well. So I feel like every person that's made a career in the kitchen has a really cool story on what led them there. And I know that your parents had a big role in this, but Talk to us about that. What led you to your career where you are today? Gosh, um, it it's pretty haphazard, but I feel like everyone who finds themselves in the kitchen kind of has this um, crooked crooked path there. But it all all generally starts, you know, in the home kitchen, which is where my story starts too. I'm a I'm one of four kids um, and two parents. And I grew up in Los Angeles in the early eighties and my parents, God bless them, were like early adopter health food people. Like they were very into health food when health food was like decidedly very bad, not bad for you, but it just tasted like cardboard. I know because I had to eat a lot of it, Um, but we had a loophole in our family. And that was, is if you could make something from scratch, whatever it was, you could eat it. Um, like we didn't have store-bought Oreos or, or like sugary cereals. What I wouldn't have given for a Captain Crunch. <laughs> but um, if we could make it from scratch, we were allowed to have it. And so I dug around in the cupboard when I was probably eight or so and found a box of, you know, that unsweetened 
chocolate. Yeah. That you use for baking. I, I found a box of that and I was like, score. Someone left chocolate in this house. And I tried <laughs> to eat it and I was like, no, that's terrible. But there were instructions on the back of that box for brownies. And I was like, this is the key. This is, this is the key to my sweet tooth. Uh, so I taught myself how to bake, but it was pretty easy because my dad is a baker, like enthusiastic home baker. That's what I call him. Um, he's also a Virgo. So he's a perfectionist. So his baked goods are quality, <laughs> um, but he'd helped me learn how to bake. I was always making pie crusts with him and then exploring my mm. own like brownie and cookie journeys on my own. And that's, that's where my love affair started. So at what point would you say, were you like, this is more than a hobby for me. I want to take this career route. Um, Such a long time, (laughs) such Uh a long time. I didn't know that I wanted to be in food. I mean, (laughs) still sometimes I'm like, is this my career? Like, am I in it? (laughs) Is this it? Um, Yeah. I, I've never really felt super settled in it, but I do know I love it. Um, when I started working, you know, like teenage jobs, mm-hmm. I started working at Ben and Jerry's ice cream in the mall. It was a really great decision. It was either Ben and Jerry's or the gap. And I hated folding clothes, <laughs> but I really liked ice cream. So <laughs> made sense. Um, and I, I worked for Ben and Jerry's for like a weirdly long amount of time. I moved to Burlington, Vermont and worked for Ben and Jerry's and decorated ice cream cakes for them. And so I've always worked in food service. I've worked in restaurants, like every position in a restaurant. And while I was putting myself through college, I went to school for English literature. And so when I was done with my degree, I was like, cool, I'm going to maybe like go be a teacher get a master's and go be a teacher. But like the entire way I'm actually doing my job. And that is like being a baker, working in food service and like loving it and not really seeing that I was doing already doing what I loved. Yeah. And in the food industry, it's so cool. You can really create like a niche job or like you can kind of create your own job along the way, which I feel like you've really done, you know? So like that whole journey kind of formed where you are now. It's so cool. Yeah. Food service has a lot of different, a lot of different ways that you can create what you want to do. Yeah. You have to like be willing to stand on your feet for nearly 12 hours a day, but that's fine. There are, there are good shoes. (laughs) There are good shoes. shoes. And those orthopedic kitchen mats. Oh my God. They'll save your life. Yeah. I know. I know when we teach live workshops, I always say it feels like a mullet, like from the top up, it's like professional and from the waist down, it's like (laughs) orthopedic shoes. (laughs) Yeah. We're surviving. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Okay. So a lot of people, when they start baking, they found them, they find themselves on a mountaintop of failures, burnt crust, salty cookies, gummy, gluten-free cake layers, all that stuff. Um, Was that part of your experience? Oh yeah, for sure. And also I'll say it's part of my current experience sometimes too. I I'm really mm-hmm. trying to do a, some more gluten-free baking and it's like, it's a whole different world. It's a whole different science. The flowers are completely different. So I still end up with some gummy, very questionable gluten-free <laughs> baked goods these days too. So we're always learning. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I found that 
when I decided that I wanted to try to be a baker in a professional kitchen, I knew that there was like a gap of knowledge that I was missing and I wasn't going to put myself through culinary school. I was already in school and I like couldn't afford it. Um, so I, I had to fill in that gap of knowledge somehow. Like I knew there was science that I wasn't understanding. And so I bought a professional, like a culinary school cookbook. Um, and I would read that like it was a regular like book. I would read that night and day just to try to understand proportions and technique. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to like buy myself a lot of ingredients and experiment with them, but I was able to read about it. And so when I finagled my way into a bakery job, which I, you know, I, I suggest every baker who's not classically trained do just finagle your way in. Um, I would have the restaurant's supplies to work with. Uh And, and then I would like get to practice technique, get to work with people who, you know, who had been in, in Uh back of house for a long time. And I, I would just like watch them learn from them. Yeah. That's, that's sort of how I filled in that gap. And I really started to understand the science behind it. I love that. And what I'm hearing too, is a lot of times people start baking. They're like, oh, it failed. I'm not a baker. And they give up too quick. But like what I'm hearing from you say is like, no, no, no. Like it's part of the process. You got to keep going. You have to keep going. The the failures are definitely part of the process. And sometimes they still taste good. I I can tell like a lot of bakers are super hesitant. They don't want to mess things up. And and I, and I encourage them that sometimes messing things up is part of the process and helps you understand what you did wrong. So you can yeah. try to prevent that in the future. And I also tell people that you have to see a recipe all the way through. If you like, there are points in a recipe where I think, wow, I think I messed this up. This is probably done. So uh-huh. maybe that's not the case that you have to see it all the way through to the end and, and see if it works. Okay. So like we're saying, baking is one of those things that's intimidating for people. We see fancy kitchen scales, candy thermometers. We watch these TV shows that look like baking is only for a select few, right? But I feel like what you've done with your brand and with your teaching is you've made it so attainable and approachable. So um, kind of elaborate on that a little bit more. When you meet someone that's intimidated by baking, what do you say? I say, so my advice for someone who is like, I'm not a baker. I'm like, you can be, you absolutely can be. My life's work is to make people who don't think they're bakers into bakers. And I encourage people to start with one recipe, master one recipe. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be Matt. Like I encourage people to start with one recipe, master Mm -hmm. one thing, like a chocolate chip cookie or an apple galette something that you don't need a fancy mixer for, or even like a pie plate, something simple and get that one recipe to a place that you love. If you like your chocolate chip cookies, like real flat and buttery, do that. Like that's your signature cookie. If you like them, like a little bit more, um, cakey with a lot of chocolate, then that's your signature cookie, but like work a recipe enough times to feel comfortable with it and make it your Mm -hmm. own. And then that's your signature baked good. Like, and then 
like hate to tell you, but you're a baker, you're a baker now. And there you can experiment and try it, you know, try to learn a different technique, one thing at a time. But I, I encourage people to start with one simple thing, like a chocolate chip cookie or a galette. That's so smart. We all, we say that with cooking too. Like when you're getting ready to have guests over, have your one recipe that you feel really confident in. Right. And then you at least have something to draw from and you keep building. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, and there's time for candy thermometers and all that stuff, but don't jump there too soon. (laughs) Right. Like you definitely, you do need those things. If you, if you want to start to get into more advanced baking stuff, like if you want to make donuts or beignets, you need to know how hot your oil is. Or if you want to like play with candy, you need, you need a thermometer. Um, and when you're scaling recipes, you know, like making a bunch of cake at a time, you want to, you want to scale so that, you know, Mm -hmm. that everything is right or, you know, all the measurements are exact, but you don't need that just to start. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm sure someone needed to hear that, (laughs) especially with all these baking shows, right? They're so good. They suck us, but we're like, they have years under their belt. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, they are so good and they're inspiring. So just like, just take them as inspiration, not as like, you have to jump in the kitchen and do that. That's awesome. Well, you referenced the bakehouse a few minutes ago, which is your studio, your teaching studio in New Orleans, right? Yes. Yeah. So I was learning more about it and I love on your website, how you describe the space um, and the experience as from, uh, from pretzel making to icing Drake lyrics on cake. (laughs) I love that we prioritize fun. So tell us more about these classes. What is the experience like? Uh, So the, the bakehouse was born, I think in like 2016, five years ago now. And, um, in 2016, I had been on the internet as Joy the Baker for eight years. And I was looking for a way to be able to connect with people that read my blog, connect with people who love to bake in like a actual in-person way. So I opened up half of my house, um, as a studio, it's, it's where I work and cook and create recipes. And so a couple times a month, we'll have 12 or so people come into this space, gather around the marble Island and we'll cook. And what I've found is that the people that are drawn to that, this kind of class or, or fans of my baking blog or love baking, like all have mm-hmm. baking in common and w- more than baking, I find that the people that come that don't know one another become friends. Like I'll see people in the corner exchanging numbers or Instagram accounts or like, it just becomes this really encouraging space where like, yes, they learned how to make pie dough, but they also like met a new friend in town who loves to bake. Wow. Yeah. So that's been that's been like the most surprising and rewarding thing to come out of baking classes at the bakehouse. That's awesome. We say that the table is like a means to community. We just need something to get us to the table, which you've done through the classes, right? And then community comes. That's oh, that's so cool that you're actually seeing that in action. Yeah. How, are you doing classes now? Are you back like in person teaching? Yeah, we're yeah. back doing in person classes, okay. and. And it's great. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's such a big baking, baking season right now, the holidays, yeah. like we always have our ovens on. So we're hitting the classes hard, lots of cookie decorating, lots of pie. Uh-huh. baking. It's, it's really, I just love it. That's so fun. That's so fun. I'm always looking for stuff like that in our area. 
we're in Connecticut. I'm sure New York has a lot, but I feel like this is a dry area. So what a gift like in your community to have that. That's so fun. Yeah. Um, Okay. So we are getting into the thick of the holiday season, which means baking and cooking and all that stuff, which is exciting, but we also know a lot, right? There's that balance between it being super fun and super overwhelming. Um, What are your go-to holiday baking suggestions? If you could think of some. Yeah. It's, it can be an overwhelming time for in the kitchen, especially if you're not like super comfortable there. So take it easy. I, I just take it easy. Take a little bit of pressure off yourself. But what I do when I try, when I think of approaching the baking that I'm going to do for the holiday season is that I, I try to bring in a theme. So I'm not pulling from like random cookie recipes all over the internet. I try to like bring in, bring in a theme a theme or two. So this year, my theme is, I wrote it in my, in my holiday magazine, but my theme is bunt cakes and Italian cookies, loose loose themes, but Mm -hmm. bunt cakes are fantastic around the holidays because you can package them up really easily. You're not like in your car, driving down the road, trying to get a double layer red velvet cake to not slide. You're just, you just like, package up a little bundt cake. They also last for days and days. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're like their greatest host gifts as well. And, and yeah, and the Italian cookies, I mean, that's just my own, my own deep love of, I've loved to like, when I've, when I've been in New York or Philadelphia, going to an Italian bakery, getting that pink box filled with Italian sprinkle and powder sugar cookies. Like it's, the best. And so my holiday cookie boxes this year are Italian cookie themed. And like, you know, it's just a loose theme, but there's enough to like work within and it's simple and Mm -hmm. it takes some of the guesswork out of your baking. That's so smart. What's your favorite Italian cookie? Cause I come from an Italian household. Oh my gosh. So that's my love language. (laughs) Hard to choose. I, I, I love a butter cookie. I love, I love Uh like piped butter cookie, half dipped in chocolate perfection. And I also love bocce de dama, the hazelnut sandwich cookies. They're like, you, you roast hazelnuts and grind them up. So you make like a hazelnut flour and, and roll them into little balls, bake them, and then sandwich a little bit of chocolate or Nutella between them. Oh my gosh. Those are delicious too. Oh What's word. your favorite? Um, pinole cookies, the pine nut ones that are like crescent shape. Yeah. Oh, they're expensive to make. They are. You know, because the pine nuts aren't cheap, but oh man, I go at it. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually am gluten-free. And so I found a wonderful like almond flour based recipe for them mm-hmm. and it works perfectly. It's great. Oh, that's it's easy awesome. to transfer. Um, yeah. I also made gluten-free Riccarelli. Do you know those Italian cookies? Explain it to me. They're naturally gluten-free. Um, they're made with almond flour and they're okay. kind of in like a, an oval shape. They're uh-huh. rolled in powdered sugar. And and when they bake, they're kind they get kind of crackly, you know, like mm-hmm. they expand and the powdered sugar creates all these crevices. Um, and they're chewy. Oh, chewy. And they're, they last forever and ever somehow. (laughs) 
there always makes you wonder, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it's just like eggs and almond flour, but I guess there's enough moisture in those two to keep them moist forever, but they're my favorite gluten-free. Oh, do you have a recipe for that? Yeah, girl. Um, in the magazine. <laughs> oh, I have, oh my gosh. It's embarrassing. I have it. And I read through it. I just missed it. It's okay. There's a lot going on in there. There's a, <laughs> there's a, a recipe for red velvet riccioli. Uh-huh. So there's like red oh. and cocoa in them, which is good, but you can also make it without and just enjoy them. Yum. Okay. I'll, um, I was going to say, I'll post that to the notes. I will not, but if you buy the magazine, they're in there. <laughs> uh, good suggestions. Okay. So, um, we kind of talked about this, but I think that with baking there, it's traditions are fun year after year making the same cookies, but sometimes they can get a little bit dull, I guess. So if someone's wanting to mix it up, what other themes could they kind of take on this year? So we have Italian cookies and bunk cake. Mm-hmm. What else might be fun? What other themes could people take on? Um, I think one good theme I've done I've done in years past is, is to like, is to go through the family cookbook and, mm-hmm. and like make a couple, make a couple of those like old family recipes. That's okay. a great idea. When I've had Friendsgivings, I've had, um, I've collected people's family recipes and, and tried to recreate them. That's a sweet theme. Fun. Um, what, what else? I just love your idea of themes too. Cause I think, I mean, variety of Christmas cookies is so fun, but even if it was like chocolate and peanut butter or Neapolitan or cherry, whatever, cherry vanilla, like that's great. I don't know. Cool. So many different ways you could go. I feel like it simplifies things a little bit. So you're not just like reaching in the air for all the random stuff in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I haven't even started planning holiday cooking. Usually I do at this point, but this year time's a blur this year, isn't it? It really is. I completely agree with you. I, I know for a fact that this weekend weekend, I'm making a pot of gumbo, but like the rest of the year, I I'm like lost. (laughs) What, what am I doing? Uh Uh, I don't like, when am I going to make, when am I going to start baking the cookies? I just don't, we, I don't have a firm grasp on it yet. So if you guys don't either, we're all in this together, right? Yeah, right. It's true. I can't tell if I'm just leaning into rest a little bit more, if I've totally let go. (laughs) I I feel you. It's one one or the other. Yeah. And like either one is going to be fine. Either one is okay. (laughs) It has to be. Uh, well, enjoy that gumbo. Oh man. I've had a proper pot of gumbo in a while. Yeah. yeah. Really good. Um, okay. Well, we talked through a lot and we referenced a lot of things. So I want to stop for a minute and talk about the ways that people can find what we've talked about. So let's start with the magazine. Where can they find that with the rest? So Joy the Baker magazine is available wherever grocery, wherever, wait, where is it available? Hold on. <laughs> I got it um, on Amazon. You did. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Joy the Baker magazine is available wherever magazines are sold. So you'll find it on grocery store stands, Walmart, Target. Yeah. I heard Barnes and Noble too. Definitely Barnes and Noble. Excellent. Yeah. And you can also get it online. Yeah. It is chock full of gorgeous food photography and recipes. So, and what I loved about it too, is there's a balance of like main dishes and baked goods. 
Yeah. Which, right. Yeah, we, have to, we have to, we have to feed ourselves with, with nourishment too, not just sugar and butter. I know, even though we want to, right? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, and how about your social accounts? Tell us where to find you there. I'm Joy the Baker everywhere. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it makes it so easy. <laughs> Are there any little, um, any other little nuggets that you would want to give uh, people as they're preparing to cook for the holiday season? Um, let's see. Ask for help. I say delegate. I say delegate this holiday season. Like, like we're leaning into rest and maybe like just throwing our hands up. Well, that may be true. We still have to like, you know, we still have to do the thing. Um, but I am leaning into delegating this year, like sharing some of the baking. I have a friend in town. She's making a bunch of cakes. I'm making a bunch of cookies. We're going to share, you know, like just make it a community event. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Accept the help, ask for help, all those things. That's good. I feel like we could all use some of that this year. Yeah. Okay. Well, we ask every guest the same three questions and I want to hear your answers as well. I'm actually really curious. There's some of them. Um, something you found to be beautiful lately. It can be anything. Um, well, the orange tree in my backyard is growing oranges for the first time mm-hmm. since I planted it. And I just, that really warms my heart. Cause I'm not, a, I'm not a very good plant mom, but this tree <laughs> is making fruit. <laughs> wow. That is exciting. Like, so I'm like, like real oranges, but of yes. course they're real. <laughs> yes. Real oranges. No, that's a very va- valid and fair question. Yes. Real oranges. <laughs> that's exciting I'm sure you're going to make something good with them or maybe just eat it that's almost more rewarding I've just been eating them being like yum fruits of my labor not really mine but you know yeah we lived in Thailand for a while and had a banana tree in our yard and it takes a very long time for the banana crop to like become ripe yeah. And actually every time the bananas like grew you have to cut it down and another tree grows that whole process so anyways we had come back for, to America for the holidays and we had someone looking at the house and they cut down the bananas and ate them while we were gone. And I was like, dang it. I put so much work into the bananas. Wow. So enjoy those oranges. I will. Think of your bananas. I know I'm holding on to that a little bit too long, but um, okay. Okay. Moving on something you've eaten recently and loved. Something I've eaten recently and loved, gosh, uh, I've been testing recipes. I've been testing recipes lately for so many things. Okay. I know what, I know what it is. Yesterday, a a dear friend of mine had a birthday and I made him a recipe that he had sent me a photograph of from his mom's like church cookbook. He sent me this photograph last Christmas and was like, do you think we could, you could teach me how to make this? We never got around to it, but I remembered I'd had his recipe for French silk Mm -hmm. pie, like a, like an old school kind of fifties pie. And I made that yesterday for his birthday and he shared a slice with me and it was so good. Not to (laughs) toot my own horn, but it's, it was something I wouldn't normally make. Um, and I'm so glad that I, that he encouraged me to make it and it was delicious. Yeah. That's always a good thing, right? <laughs> Talking yeah. about trying new recipes. No, I'm all about giving yourself credit when it's due. Yeah. Own it. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> own it. <laughs> I haven't 
had a silk pie in a very long time. You're right. It's not eaten often. No, you no, we don't really eat them much anymore, but I don't know why, because they're so good. My Italian grandpa always had a chocolate lemon pie for um, Easter. Have you ever had one? Chocolate lemon pie? So So it's like a chocolate. It's almost like a a chocolate silk pie on the bottom. And then there's like a lemon. um, What would you call it? Like not a creme. Like like a a curd? curd? Yeah, a lemon curd on top. Oh, Oh. my word. Uh Uh-huh. It has to be sour. That's so funny because I feel like, Chocolate and lemon is a strange combination yeah. for most Americans, but down here in New Orleans, we have a Doberge cake. Have you ever heard of this? Uh-huh. No, it, it's like a, it's like a seven layer tall layer cake, very thin layers. And in between the layers are chocolate pudding on one side, half of the cake is filled with chocolate pudding. The other half is filled with lemon curd. Okay. And it's like frosted yellow and brown. And it comes from this Italian bakery down here in new Orleans. So that's like definitely an Italian thing is chocolate and lemon. I've never seen that cake though, but I'd love it. You would love it. You would love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We should try to recreate it. Let's try to recreate it. (laughs) Yeah. Let's try it. I want to try this pie. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Okay. Done. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's so fun. Um, I haven't eaten that recently, but that's something I'm dreaming about and love. So that would be my answer. (laughs) Um, a gathering you attended recently that made you feel a particularly strong sense of belonging. Oh gosh. We're talking about gatherings now. It's like, that's crazy. (laughs) Or in the past or in the past. Um, I, I think we might have to go to the past. I haven't like, I haven't gathered enough lately though. I am super looking forward to it for the holiday season. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think, I think the last time I felt a super, a super sense of gathering and community was at one of my like dinner parties I've had at my house, mm-hmm. like just pre pandemic. Um, I, I try to invite people who wouldn't normally gather together for dinner and usually everyone brings a dish and like just those gatherings always made me feel like very rooted in Mm -hmm. my community here Um, and seeing people like seeing people who wouldn't normally connect together is just like fills me up. That's awesome. I love that word you used rooted. That's kind of what we all long for. So that's awesome that you and I think encouraging the host too to hear you could have unlikely people together and it could still work. Like it could be really sweet. Like people yeah. actually crave that. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. when I do that, when I have people who don't normally connect together, I I always have like a table game where, you know, like one of those like cheesy get to know you games better, but I write questions on a little paper. Everyone picks a, one person at a time, picks a question and asks it to the person next to them. And then the person next to them answers for the whole table. And you really get to know people. So in like a deeper way, you're, you're asking yeah. them questions that you wouldn't normally think to ask them. Yeah. And it's, it, it's really lovely. I love that. It reminds me of um, a friend we have in the industry. They created this project called, or this um, product called convo pins. They're conversation napkins. 
and you buy them, there's like 50 or a hundred and each one has a different question. And so you set the table with it and they ask the whole table. So similar to that. I would love those. That's yeah. exactly up my alley. Oh, I'll tag them in the notes too. They're the most wonderful people, super small business, husband and wife. Um, and they're gorgeous too. They're gold and white. So. I'm absolutely getting some right now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> happy to hear. Well, oh my gosh, this was so sweet and gets me a little bit more excited for the holidays. Yeah, we're going to enjoy it. We're gonna enjoy we it. are going to enjoy it. Well, guys, the best way to support Joy is going to follow her, ordering her magazine, all the things, guys, all the things, make her recipes and tag her. <laughs> but thank you so much, Joy. This was great. Thank you. It's been so fun. I hope we get to do it again. Absolutely. We would love it. Did you love this episode as much as we did? If you did, be sure to write a written review or even give us five stars to let other people know that it is worth joining the table. If you write a review, be sure to screenshot it and share it to your stories or even as you're listening to the episode so we could share it to our stories and give you a shout out and a thank you. We appreciate you guys so much and you do not want to miss this upcoming holiday series. Have you ever felt that if only I could get a home makeover, I would feel so much more comfortable in my space? Well, listen, I have felt that way too, and I might just have the answer for you. If you are from Connecticut, Coastal Concepts Connecticut would love to work with you. Everything from wood flooring to window treatments and everything in between, they are sure to bring you the upgrade and the beauty that you are looking for to transform your space. Their goal is to offer customers with the best products, unrivaled customer support, attention to detail, and all at the best price. Guys, it is all from the comfort of your own home. Listen, if you are interested in reaching out or even calling to ask them a few questions, make sure to let them know that you heard about them from Making Room Podcast by Gather Intentional Living. Do you want to learn more? You could find them at Coastal Concepts Connecticut. Dot com or on Instagram at Coastal Concepts CT.